Hey, what is up? The Leafs Convo back in business for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario. OakRidgeFord.com. Norman London, Mike in Buffalo. It is February 28, 2021. The Leafs winners of two straight, now 16-4-2 on the season. A 4 nothing blanking of the Oilers in Edmonton. Jack Campbell with the goose egg. No Austin Matthews, no Freddie Anderson. Michael, no problem. Good morning, Norm. Uh, yeah, it was... It was, I, I believe, uh, probably their best overall effort of the season. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's been a couple other games where they've been pretty close to a 60-minute effort. I think last night was um, because, you know, I think they had to step it up with Matthews out. Um, it probably would have been even more of a challenge had Michael Hutchinson been in goal. But, uh, you know, you have to give credit. Michael Hutchinson didn't, did play well in the victory over Calgary on Wednesday, but Campbell being back in the lineup and, and playing great um, was one part of the victory, but it was just the overall, you know, step up by everybody Mm -hmm. Uh, with, with the acknowledgement that Matthews was not in the game. I think it was John Tavares's best game of the season. And, um, you know, we'll go over a number of things, but I mean, it was a really good effort and something that you haven't seen from Leaf teams in the past that, you know, you'll see it in spurts throughout a game, but you don't see it through 60 minutes. And last night was a complete 60 minute effort by this team. Yeah, it was great. Top to bottom. Uncle John with two apples, William Nylander, got Michael Hutchinson a win the other night over Calgary. Mm-hmm. He gave up his man. Um, the Flames scored. You know what ensued. Nylander poked at a, a, a puck during a crease scramble, then went end-to-end to win it in overtime. That was fantastic. So the Leafs' first power play opportunity against the Oilers. Willie scores on the power play, making it three straight for him. He's starting to... Uh, regenerate a little bit, but that's what you want, right? In in a game where you get the first opportunity to make your mark with the man advantage, it's the opening salvo. I think it was 2016 when Neander had been called up by the Leafs at the end of the season, the end of the 15-16 season, uh, and he got sent back down to the Marlies for the playoffs. And I remember distinctly Sheldon Keefe benching Neilander during a playoff series. And then the next game comes back and scores a hat trick. Mm-hmm. And it just seems that he has to be poked. He has to be prodded to get the best out of him. I don't know whether it was, that was the, the benching at the end of the third period in Montreal last week, but um, he was, I think in a slumber throughout most of the uh, first game against Calgary on Monday and then throughout two and a half periods on Wednesday. And then as I described to you, um, you know, you've got Dr. Neilander and Mr. Willie, you know, like well Dr. Done. Jekyll. And, well done, Mike. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Je- yeah. I, I wish I, yeah, I wish I could patent it or uh, copyrighted. Um, but Dr. Neilander only shows up when he is poked or prodded. Most of the time it's Mr. Willie. It's that happy go lucky guy who doesn't seem to be in touch with anything. <laughs> sort of drifting around oblivious. And, and we get that, I'd say eight games out of 10, but the two games that they do get Dr. Neilander showing up, mm. he's a difference maker. He is awe inspiring. And that was the goal against Calgary where he cuts in on his off wing 
you know, converts to the forehand yeah. and flips it over David Riddich's shoulder. So, you know, when you get that difference maker, he is you know, a big time difference maker. And last night, I in the especially in the first period, you could see on that sort of makeshift second line with uh, Kerfoot and Barabanov, you know, he was really skating, he was really creating, and then on the power play, he converts. And they need more of that. But I just don't know. We've seen William Nylander since 2016. I think that's the guy we're going to see for the rest of yeah. his career. And I, to me, that's not good enough. But for right now, they'll take those two or three games in 10 that he p- performs at a high level. Who's good? Who's bad? Dr. Willie and Mr. William? Do- How no, does no, this work? D- Dr. Nealander is the good because Dr. Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll was the good. Mr. Mr. Hyde was the bad. So Mr. Willie is the bad. I think OG's Converse, we should start up a Patreon page to fund Mike and his little (laughs) creations here. Um, I'm looking forward to the the next one. It's it's just spectacular. Do you have any, any commentary or any uh, name creations for Tyson Berry? I mean, the, fun, the funny thing is, is that in this recent winning streak that the, the, the Oilers have had, Tyson Berry, I think he's the third or fourth leading scorer on the Oilers. I mean, he's he's become the mm-hmm. Tyson Berry mm-hmm. that we that we saw before he came to the Leafs and Mike Babcock screwed him up. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's an offensive defenseman. He's never been a two way guy. And if you put him on the power play and if you have him rush the puck, he he is what he is. And and I mean, I. I I think the unfair thing, and I think the thing that Lee fans have to come to grips with is that I, I don't think that you could, you know, and this was a misrepresentation of what Mike Babcock did. You cannot, you know, make a Ferrari, you know, t- out you know, of a tow. Fiat. Right. Well, no, I was going to say, <laughs> no, I was going to say, you can't make a, a Ferrari tow, you know, tow garbage. Oh, okay. And, and you know, it's like, well, if you put a, a, a proper, um, tow package on the, the chassis and I can get you that for about 650 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but Hey, but an F1, <laughs> but an, but an F one fifty from Oak Ridge Ford can definitely <laughs> tow a lot of, it, a lot of heavy it, stuff. It certainly can with a class four hitch. You're at about 7,500 pounds on the 2.7 liter. Anyway, I, there you digress. go. But, 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 <laughs> Oh my God, we're going to get killed. People, people hate it, but um, yeah, they help pay the bills. Hey, just on, on, on Willie though, I think this is, this is what we're going to get. And he's been in the league long enough now. Um, statistically, metrically, he'll always be the best player in the league to his faction. Um, what he produces night in and night out is spotty. Hopefully he's there in the end when the team needs him, he will collect points as he goes, and the the number tally will look pretty respectable. That was this effervescent against Calgary. Nice to see him score again early against Edmonton. Uh, Mitch Marner in on that goal, John Tavares. I want to see everybody contributing because this team needs to you know keep working on itself as this interesting season progresses towards the playoffs. Because once the curtain rises uh, on the border and it's time to uh, – co-mingle with the rest of the league on a short-term basis in order to keep going there is just no no time to fuck around you have to be ready to play and all of this is just the preamble for what's to come and if Nylander, Tavares, Marner, Matthews, the whole crew, Simmons, Thornton, the list um, you can go down the list these guys are ready to rock 
they really should put themselves in a position to win their first Stanley Cup since 1967. That's why they're playing, right? This is the Leafs combo for Oak Ridge Ford in London, Ontario. OakRidgeFord.com, Norm with Mike. The third line, and this is this lends to the the essence of of the season and, and you know what we're talking about podcast in podcast out and that we need a team effort the third line was really spectacular and in a, in a game where you're the top player in the league isn't involved and you are looking for more contributions not just on the score sheet but throughout for one thing and this is not an insult against Zach Hyman but when Zach Hyman is the member of a line that has the most finish. Maybe you're in a little bit of trouble because, you know, he's not exactly a gifted goal scorer. He's just one of the best workers in the league. But Ilya Mikheyev, um, you know, could not throw a pebble in, in, in Lake Ontario right now. But he's, I love his work ethic. He just hustles and he's defensively, he's on the opposition at every point. And Pierre Engvall over the last, I think, five or six games has really stepped it up. And, you know, I think what Sheldon Keefe has been looking for from Engvall is, you know, he's a big guy. He's as fast as anybody, mm. but to play with physicality, he's six foot five. He's very rangy with that great reach. And if he becomes, you know, if he applies himself physically, that just makes him into an incredible weapon as a, as a third or even a fourth line guy. And last night he rubbed out uh, a, a dry sidle along the boards. You know, he's big enough to do that. Dry sidles is a, is a, is a big dude. And he, he, you know, so um, you know, th- that line that it played with such energy. And I think it was probably overall the, the league's most effective line on the night. You can see, you know, how things could come together. I mean, you definitely want Zach Hyman playing a third line role, not because he's not capable of playing a top six role, but when everybody comes back and we know like, you know, they've had injuries all year. Mm-hmm. So you haven't had a full, a full lineup together since game one or two. Yep. Um, and that's to be expected. Right. But, but when you come to the playoffs, if you can extend that lineup and have Zach Hyman playing on a third line checking line with McKayev and Engvall or Kerfoot or whatever mix that, uh, that Sheldon Keefe comes up with and having, you know, somebody like Simmons or maybe somebody that they acquired the deadline being added to that top six, it just makes this team deeper and more difficult to play against. And I think you saw that last night. I mean, the, the Oilers really had, the Oilers are a top heavy team with, you know, three really good forwards and a couple other good youngsters like uh, Yamamoto, but it's, it's mostly Nugent Hopkins, mm-hmm. McDavid and Dreisaitl. And they kept those guys away from the scoring zones for the most part. And they were, I think, outworked by the Leafs. And when that depth is there, they are one of the most difficult teams in the league to play against. All they need is competent defense and decent goaltending with the with the bevy of talent that they have up front, and they can go a, far, go a long way. I like how we're talking about the third line developing into a, a support line, an energy line, a checking line, with these young characters who are still impressionable in that mix and willing to be developed and molded and led by a guy like Zach Hyman. You notice, Mike, we're talking about the forwards and all this success, and we are not lamenting on a a group of defensemen who are leaving a lot to be desired. There's something to be said about that. Something's happening here. 
Well, uh, Kevin Bieksa last night during the broadcast, you know, pointed out something that I've, I've been aware of for, you know, I'd say the last month or so. Look at the stability. And I believe me, there is no greater critic of Zach Bogosian in Buffalo than myself because he was constantly injured. And you live um, there. He, yeah, right. But I mean, I, you see that you see the guy every day. He was constantly out of the lineup. Uh, and when he was in the lineup, he was playing in a top four role, playing with Rasmus Dahlin or playing with mm-hmm. Ristolain and at, at times. And he was playing 20, 22, 23 minutes a night and he was exposed. Mm-hmm. But the way he's playing with the Leafs, playing a bottom pairing role, playing 14 minutes a night, playing penalty kill, being physical, not being asked to do a lot, just you know, do no harm. That is perfect for him. And he has been a stabilizing force on that bottom pairing along with either Lettinen or Dermot. You don't and, hear about you know, him. We don't no, hear and about that, it. And that's and honestly, that's that's what you that's what you want. It's like if, if when you have a defenseman who you don't hear about, that means he's not making mistakes. And very, you know, he makes it the odd mistake everybody does, but most most of the time he's clearing the front of the net. He's being physical, you know, last night at the end of the game, I don't know what, what uh, Edmonton Ford it was, but he was jousting with the guy and, you know, it w- wouldn't, wouldn't let him, um, you know, sort of get the upper hand on him because we know it's a three game series. So you can have these constant battles going on over the next couple games, but he wouldn't let him get the upper hand. And I have to give, kudos to justin hall uh even though i don't think tyler ennis meant to brush by jack campbell the fact that ennis made contact with campbell's head at the end of the first period and hall filled him into the boards and sort of through you know sort of through that message as you hit our goaltender we're gonna get you and that is something that this team has lacked in the past. I don't know how many times Freddie Anderson or whatever goaltender got hit and there was no response, and you need a response there. Negative Matthew, reinforcement. Matthew Lytle and community, how awesome was it to see Hall and everyone else on the ice stick up for Campbell when Ennis knocked his head? So refreshing to me, Matthew says. Just shows the pieces added in the offseason have finally changed the room. Another thing, and I know we're going to talk about Campbell in a second, but the, the the one thing that I think has been apparent from everything that we've seen um, through the 20-some-odd games that the Leafs have played, you know, you say, oh, these guys like each other. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's all fine and good, but they stick up for each other, and you see, like, the, the, the esprit de corps that this team has. They genuinely – you know, they like each other and they want to win for each other. And there was, you know, at the end of the game when they're, you know, patting Campbell on the, on the head, they were genuinely happy for a guy who was out for, was out for five, almost five weeks. And he's very well liked in the locker room, but it just, it just seems like there, you know, there is that thing, that sort of unconscious thing that we've seen. Maybe it's the addition of Thornton. Maybe it's the addition of Simmons, um, right now, you have to give Kyle Dubas a lot of credit for the mix that he's brought in: Bogosian, Simmons, Thornton, mm-hmm. keeping Spezza around. You know, it's it is professional guys, but it you know it's it's a support structure that the Matthews and the Marners and the Taveras and the Rileys haven't had, and it's paying dividends right now. He's deviated from his original blueprint. All the guys in social media the guys in front of their laptops telling them this is how you need to build a team. Sure. I'll get started that way. And 
that whole concept went kerplunk. And he made the changes, and let's hope he continues to tweak and accessorize and modify the team accordingly so that um, the group is put in the best position to finally win a Stanley Cup. Because everything that this team does on a nightly basis is to progress forward and win the championship. That's what it's about, Mike. Everyone else um, derives their own entertainment and their own need from the product. And that's fine as we go along. But the ultimate goal is to finally win a championship. And you, right now it's shaping up to look like this group will give the organization its best chance to do that since that last group won it in 1967. Yeah, you know, among the defensemen last night, I mean, it just the ice time spread out really well. You got four veterans with determination who are you know, holding it down back there. Morgan Riley, you, you know he's going to play 24, 25, 26 minutes a night, probably pushing 30 um, when the games uh, have more meaning. Jake Muzzin, uh, what is he, what's happening with him, Mike? I mean, he's been with the team a while now. Is is he finding his way? Is he developing a little bit more, if, if that's even possible, having been in the league as long as he has. But here's a guy who was injured, uh, could have been really serious. Um, you know, he needed a bit, of, a bit of time, like a game or two. And then he gets back in the lineup, 22 minutes, an assist, four hits. I mean, he clearly is one of the stalwart defensemen on this team. Yeah, I mean, he provides the physical uh, edge you know, that had been missing over the last few years. You know, he's a top four defenseman, second pairing guy. You know, him and Hall, their size, they have size, they have mobility, so they can be that shutdown pairing. But, you know, as you've seen from his point totals, you know, he's providing, you know, he's providing secondary offense. I think he has 11 or 12 assists now. So he's he's been effective, really effective in you – know, that trade that they made with the, with the LA Kings, they made two trades with the Kings, one to get Muzzin, one to get Campbell, both have paid off. You know, the Kings got good returns on both of those players, but it was you know, like any good trade. It, it was good for both teams. And I think Muzzin along with, uh, along with Bogosian on the bottom pairing, they've been stabilizing forces and you have sure. to say TJ Brody as well. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we sort of take it for granted. You know, we've been, we've been talking about looking for a pair a partner for Morgan Riley for years. It was like Dion Phaneuf. It's like, okay, Dion Phaneuf was a good defenseman at times, but he had to play with, you know, uh, uh, Corbinian Holzer and Mike Koska and, you know, uh, uh, Keith Ollie and like all these guys. And, and it takes down, <laughs> it, it sort of, it, it sort of takes down like the quality of that one defenseman because he's got to compensate for somebody who's not a number two. And I think Brody, you know, based on the way he played in Calgary, I think, Right now, it, it looks like Cal Dubas was right on target. I mean, he played a secondary role with Mark Giordano in Calgary, and he's doing the same thing with Morgan Riley. You don't notice TJ Brody a lot, but you know, then you look at the score sheet, and he's plus one, and he's played 23, 24 minutes on the on the right side with Morgan Riley, and that's what you mm -hmm. want out of out of a, a, a second, uh, a, you know, a sidekick on a top pairing. I want to get into a few more comments. 
from community, then we can get out of here. Um, any summary on the game last night or any other players you want to talk about before we move forward? Well, I mean, Jason Spezza. I mean, yeah, for sure. I, 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 I just, ha- I just have to say, I would offer him a seven hundred thousand dollar contract until he dr- until he can't skate or can't walk. That's how much of a character he's. He, I mean, you know, that's that's a patented move. And it was funny because Campbell in the post game media availability called him vintage, and apparently that's his nickname. But he, you know. <laughs> Even even in his late thirties, he's he can still skate and he can still create offensively. Yeah. I mean, when Barabanov made a a bad giveaway uh, in the first period, Sheldon Keefe didn't hesitate and put Spezza on the line with Kerfoot and uh, Nylander because he trusts him. And him on that fourth line playing either center or wing with you know, last night it was with Boyd and VC. You know, he just you know, goes out there 10, 12 minutes and he just gives you everything and. And that goal was that goal was incredible. He deked, uh, he faked out uh, Mike Smith out of his skates. I mean, it was in, it was in, but that's apparently a that's a patented Spezza move. You so, remember, you, know, rem, you remember how dominant the Senators were with with him at the helm mm-hmm. and Alfredson and I think it was Kovalev and uh, Chris Phillips and I don't know if Charles was on the team at that time. They were they were so dominant. They beat the shit out of the Leafs night in and night Until- out. And, but that, until that it got was, to the playoffs, yeah, but that until uh, yeah, that's true. But that was Spezza esque from that. I mean, that was Senators esque from from that era. That was fantastic. That was a throwback and just delightful but, to see. But this is but this is the thing you mentioned. You mentioned sixty seven, and you know, okay, you know, I was a month when they won the Stanley Cup in sixty seven. So I I don't remember it fondly. If we wanted to talk to Kevin Shea you or a Paul Patch in sixty seven, Mike, you were just wrapping up your first marriage. Yeah, there you go. But but go back in history to a time that we all remember the teams that the team that made the uh, the conference final in 2002. Mm-hmm. You know, you had the you had Pat Quinn assemble a team that brought in like veterans from and, and 04. I think that was when they brought in Leach and Francis. Yep. But throughout the throughout the Pat Quinn era, he brought in these veteran guys to play support roles, and that really helped. The Leafs, you know, the new with New and Dyke with with Roberts, Kate. Okay, really, they're doing the same thing here. You've got your star players, like like Matt Sundin in, in O2. But here, you've got Matthews, you've got Marner, you've got Tavares as the core. But you've got guys like Thornton and Simmons and Spezza who can step it up at certain points and win you a game, and that is going to be invaluable. And don't, you know, I'm I'm telling you right now. All the indications are is that Kyle Dubas is going to make it a deal before the deadline for a top six, top nine forward. And we've, we heard the, uh, the Michael Granlund stuff. I don't know if I buy into that. I think there'll be other options out there. The one name that I heard and I think would be an intriguing ad was Eric Stahl, uh, who's in Buffalo, who, you know, the Sabres are probably going to sell in the next few weeks, start selling in the next few weeks. Bring on every and- veteran reclamation project there is. And, well, he's not. I mean, he can still he can still play. He can play the wing and he can mm-hmm. play center. I mean, I I I think that you know Dubas is not going to hesitate to bring in somebody like that who is not making a ton of money, mm-hmm. who has won a Stanley Cup, who is a good pro. I mean, it may not be Stall, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that they add somebody that nobody has thought of before the deadline. OG's converts. 
do you think the Leafs augment the group with a veteran like Stahl, or do you think you need to bring in some young lunatic with skill, but not a lot of savvy and experience just to, um, you know, reduce the average age of the team. Let's have a chat uh, below this post on YouTube. Of course, community is the place where you can get at us directly. Nicholas, how long, Mm -hmm. how long until Simmons returns and where will he slot back in? Well, I believe his injury was early February. Yeah, it was February 7th or February 6th. Um, So they said six weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking probably mid to late March. It's a wrist injury. So I'm sure he's probably skating. And, you know, the the skating aspect of his game will come back fairly quickly. You know, the cardio aspect of his game. But it's just the, the ability to handle the puck and shoot the puck. So I would think probably like around St. Patrick's day would be a good target for him to possibly come back. Arish, what do you think of Barabanov in the top six? He's looked good. I, I think he has played his best hockey the last couple games with more opportunity and that's encouraging. I thought mm-hmm. he played pretty well last night. Although, like I said, he gave, it was a glaring giveaway and it was, it yeah, was, well. it was the, it was the Connor McDavid and that would make, that, that made it even worse. But, um, I, I think he is establishing establishing some trust with Sheldon Keith that he could slot in on the fourth line. I don't think he's a, a top six guy. I don't think he's going to be in that kind of mix. Mm-hmm. But I do think that you know what he is doing right now, and what somebody like Jimmy VC, who has been you know disappointing. I mean, I think yesterday he had an assist on the Spezza goal, and that was his first point in like fifteen games. I, I like what VC brings in terms of a penalty killer, but. I think they wanted him to score a little more and he's just not scoring. So, you know, it's, it's going to be at a certain point, Sheldon Keith is going to make his decision on, on his lineup as, as like a, a, a solid 12 man group. And you don't want to be on the outside looking in at when he makes that final decision. And right now I'd say Barabanov is sort of leading at the quarter pole uh, over VC. Yeah. For some of these guys, this is still, an audition mm-hmm. big show is in i don't know 35 some odd games from now when the curtain rises the door opens and the the union uh, between the united states and canada when it comes to the nhl um, starts again and that'll be the playoffs so for for guys like bc and barabanoff and the support players, whether young, um, uh, tenured, the audition continues. Wh- which of these players will land the big spots, the final spots for a team that will make a push? For a Stanley Cup, Timberwolf or old pal, who the hell are these Leafs goalies? And where have they been for three years? Uh, leads into Corey Parrish's uh, question. Hey, Jack Campbell was fantastic against Edmonton on Saturday. Will he get another start as a reward uh, on Monday? No, I mean, Jack Campbell has been fantastic. I mean, right now, you know, his goals against is 1.33. He's got a 9.51 save percentage. That those th- those numbers aren't sustainable, but they are. Then he's you know ready for the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and he's played great ever since the Leafs acquired him. But. Um, it's going to be important. And I said this at the beginning of the year for Campbell to give Frederick Anderson 
a night off and more than just a night off. I think he needs to play more. And based on the way he's playing, I don't think that they're going to hesitate, especially like in a three game series to say, give Anderson two and Campbell one. And mm. if you know, hopefully he stays healthy. And when Anderson comes back, I expect them to use Campbell, you know, not judiciously. I think they, they're going to use him more than a backup has been used for a while. So Edmonton again on Monday, regardless of who's in net, what are you hoping to see from this team? Well, I mean, I'd love to see an effort like they played on Saturday. I mean, it's impossible to expect that. I mean, you sure. you yeah, but uh, I mean, they they have to play that way. I mean, one of the things that was not that was a really apparent. They didn't take any penalties, and yeah. they didn't allow Drysaitel and McDavid and and Tyson Berry on the point to really generate a lot of offense. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they could, if they could do that now, we expect Matthews to be back. Um, on Monday, yeah, I, may, maybe since they won on Saturday, they, they d- decide they can give him another day of rest. But uh, I think he'll probably be back because he skated yesterday, and uh, they just decided to be careful with him. But uh, you know, at some point, Anderson's going to be back. But uh, yeah, if they can, if they can put an effort that's eighty percent of what they had against Edmonton on Saturday, they have a good chance to win. Maroof Lackey and community, uh, what should the Leafs do in terms of a trade? Mike, you mentioned Eric Stahl. That would be a lot of fun. Also from Nicholas, keep it up, boys. You always have stellar content. Thank you so much, Nick. And Samari, thanks for the shout-out on Twitter. Mike, what are you working on at HockeyBuzz.com? Well, I, I'm, you know, along with you know my speculation about Stahl, I was going to write at, at some point this week about, you know, maybe a target, the target of like say five players that Leafs may go after. Mm-hmm. If it's not a Grandland or a Stahl, I, I think that they're going to look for somebody who can play in their top nine with some physicality. Not, you know, not a, you know, not like Boston picking up Jared Tenorti, not like, not like guy who's going to be an enforcer. Nice. I'm talking about, I'm t- you know, like, and I know that, you know, that Marcus Felino is not available in Minnesota because he just signed a long-term extension, but you know, maybe if Columbus starts to fall out of it, you know, Nick Felino would be somebody that they could make a deal oh, for. for sure. but, yeah. But there, but there are, you know, a, a, a top nine forward who is battle tested, who can play that yeah. physical game because you know, when they get into the playoffs and they're playing a Calgary and Matthew Kachuk, or they're playing Montreal with Josh Anderson, or they're playing Winnipeg with Wheeler and Shifley, there is going to be a physical aspect to that series. And the Leafs really, you know, they got out, out hit, I think it was like 40 to 20 by the Oilers and the Oilers aren't exactly an overly physical team. So mm. that's something that I think the Leafs, need to address before the deadline. And if they can't add another score, then maybe they're going to go in that physical direction. Yeah. The more talent, the merrier Mike, because mm. at some point this could become a war of attrition and you will need bodies ready to go who are actually ready to go um, in place of those uh, who can't continue on. Mike, thanks for everything you do. OG's Converts. You can catch me on Facebook, Norm at Oak Ridge Ford. If you wanted to give me a like there, I'd appreciate it very much. Not a lot of hockey stuff, just more Ford stuff. When you support me and Mike and our endeavor with Oak Ridge Ford, you help support the podcast. For Mike, I'm Norm. We're out.